0: One hand speaks Okay, okay, hey, 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 podcast 152 This one's entitled My Gritty Nepal Experiences And generally speaking, I've kept most of the gritty stuff out of the podcast Out of the number of podcasts that I've done uh, basically because I, you know, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy, and I'm always about pushing the envelope of positivity. I'm not much for talking too much about the negative stuff because there's just negative things everywhere. Every every city you go to has got something. But I did want to have one podcast <laughs> just about some of the gritty stuff that has occurred to me in Nepal. And it's interesting, I went out with... Um, Uh, My friend's friend, her name, her American name is Sarah. I I cannot pronounce her Hindu name. Um, And she took me to Patan Square, which was great. I mean, it was just really a fabulous experience. We went and had some Nuari food, Um, and then we also got some like homemade alcohol, alcohol called Chang, which came in a plastic bottle. I mean, basically, it's moonshine. People sell out of the back of their restaurants and homes. Um, in this restaurant, talk about gritty and sweaty like it was tiny and tight and dirty and gritty sweaty and the cook she she had her hands in everything i mean yeah, yeah no health codes going on in this restaurant, totally traditional nuari food and it was it was delicious oh my word, but she asked me about Nepal, and I was like, well, yeah, Kathmandu, I mean, generally, it's a beautiful place. I was like, it, it is a little gritty in some areas, and she started laughing. She said, yeah, there's no shortage of grit in Nepal, but yeah, there there were some weird things that did happen. Here's a, here's one experience. When I was at Budanath, I was circumambulating, and uh this older Tibetan man kind of rolled up on me. He's like, oh, Tibetan, good, good, you know, zochen, You know, we were talking, he's Kagyu, that kind of thing. We're just having a moment. He's walking with me, circumambulating with me. You know, he's congratulating me on being Buddhist and, you know, my mantra practice and we're doing this thing. And then all of a sudden he gives me this kata, this beautiful blue kata. He's like, here, this is for you, it's such a good Buddhist. And he's like, put it in your pocket, you know, and... uh and uh, So sure, I did, you know, and then he wandered off and I kept circumambulating. I'm having a phenomenal experience at Budenath. And then lo and behold, this guy rolls up to me later, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm really sick and I want to go to this hospital, but I don't have enough money and maybe you could help me give me some money. And I was thinking, "Uh oh, this is not really what I kind of saw coming. I mean, he kind of got me. You know, and I was like, no, no, I'm not really, you know, I mean, I don't really give a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, maybe next, let me, I'm practicing right now. So he was kind of waiting for me every time I came around doing my circumambulations. And then I got a couple hundred rupees out. I I think I got 300 rupees out that I was going to give this guy. Normally, I don't give money away uh, in other countries. That's not true. That's not true. I gave a lot away when I was in, in, in Indonesia. Because my American dollar went so far, I was basically wealthy there. And my dream is when, uh, when and if I be ever become incredibly wealthy, I just want to give a lot of money away. So I practiced in Indonesia. I just gave money to everyone. Every beggar got money from me. But this time around, I didn't necessarily want to do that. And then I was about to give this guy 300 rupees, and he gave me some attitude. Brother came out with some tood. Like, oh, I don't, you know, 300 rupees. You know, I need, I need 50 American dollars, you know, which is like you know, a little bit of scratch, you know, uh, 7,000 rupees. And it's so funny because his attitude changed so quick and I, I totally was deflected. I was like, you know what? uh uh-uh. uh I just, I totally became cold and I just walked off. and And then this guy started giving me some heat. Now I got this like homeless beggar dude, hawking me down like staring me down following me like just giving me the heebie-jeebies so to speak and then he got kind of upset he's like I gave you a kata you know and I was like well that's good you gave it to me and then I gave it to someone else yeah the whole day this dude is kind of there giving me heat like wanting money and giving me this attitude like I gave you something you owe me something and I was like no yeah it, it was real uncomfortable it was it was my first gritty experience. And it happened at Budanath, you know? Uh okay. Here's gritty experience number two, also at Budanath. So I'm at the Bodhi guest house, and then every day I leave the Bodhi guest house and I walk this path to Budanath so I can do my practice, morning practice. Late, after, late morning practice, afternoon practice, early afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, late evening. I mean, just a lot of practice. And I'm, you know, I'm walking down this pathway and then all of a sudden I hear this little girl screaming and, and I look up and she is just hauling like nobody's business towards me, like in a, in a, a slight frantic, Frenzy, like just screaming, and then all of a sudden i I see an older woman running too, and they're they're both just hauling ass, like they're just running super fast, obviously quite scared, and then then I start to notice that there's a scooter on the ground around the corner, like just where this corner begins, like there's something down, and then uh then I see this other like Nepalese. Woman, young lady, maybe 23, 24, just in this rage, fit of rage. She's just screaming and she's like, I, I, she did something to these two people. Like the scooter's on the ground and then, you know, like she's starting to draw a little crowd and this, she's screaming and blah, blah, blah and running around and then she grabs this giant piece of concrete. Like it's like two and a half football sizes and she's chasing this guy from behind, he doesn't know she's coming. And I'm thinking, oh, this is about to be a bad moment. If you've, if you've seen the movie Parasite, uh, somebody gets clocked in the head with a big rock, you know, and it's a really uncool scene. And that's all I could think about. I'm like, oh, is this about to happen? I thought for sure she was going to clock this dude in the back of the head. And she hit him in the back, like the upper shoulders, you know, and then he turned around upset and she flailed to the ground like, oh, I got attacked, like, I was, I thought it was going to be one of those scenarios, like, oh, oh, I got hit by the car, I'm falling to the ground. You know, and the whole time I'm just walking, I'm, I I just want to go do my Buddhist practice. And then, you know, I'm probably like seven feet from this girl, I'm trying to pass her by, and then she gets up freaking out. And then she grabs this stone again, and she starts coming for me. You know, and I thought, oh, this is exactly the scenario I don't want to be in in another country, like either taking someone out or getting like mauled or harmed, you know. And it's funny because, you know, she's coming at me and I'm like, oh, she's probably actually going to hit me with this rock. Like, and we're now about three feet apart. She's she's starting to lift the rock and she's walking towards me. And it's interesting as the, as the rock got about to her chest level i could tell that she was committed to doing me some harm and i got right into martial mode aiki mode like she's coming for me i thought you know what i'm going to enter this situation and i picked up speed and i put my hand up like i'm going to take this rock out or i'm going to take you out and i just came right at her full arimi which is uh an aikido maneuver uh, which is to enter the attack like, I'm not going to wait for the attack. I'm going to enter the attack, and I'm going to direct what's going on. And it's funny. She totally stopped like, and then turned and started attacking someone else. Like, this scooter came by with two people on it, and she threw this rock at at these two people, this giant piece of concrete, and knocked them to the ground. Yeah, and then she p- started picking up this rock and started destroying this scooter. And I was like, oh, my God gosh, people were freaking out. And it's so funny because I, I just kept looking at the situation. And then I noticed that there's a number of security guards for these high-end apartment apartment complexes that aren't doing anything. Like nobody's doing anything. And then I, I looked at the security, security guard and he looked at me and he kind of waved me off like, you should go. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? Thank you. And I went back to where I came, back to the Bodhi guest house, and I took the long way around to Budenath. Wow, that was a freaky, freaky experience. You talk about some grit. Gritty story number two, my Nepal experiences. Whoa. This little story doesn't necessarily have the negative overtone or the potential aggression of my last story. However, it is worth mentioning because... It was fairly uncool. All right. So I spent, I've spent many days doing practices, a lot of circumambulation, a lot of mantra practice, a lot of walking around. One day I was at the monkey temple. I spent the entire day there. I was very tired. I had done, I think it was even Pama Sambhava day. So I had done an incredible amount of practice. And I was a little spent when I came back to my room Uh, and I was staying. This was early in the trip. I was staying at uh, uh, the Kathmandu, the Avatar Kathmandu Hotel. And I thought, oh, I should. Once I laid down, I started to relax. I knew I wasn't getting (laughs) I knew I wasn't getting back up. Right. Because I had done a lot of practice in in the morning and in the day. And I just got some food and I started hanging out, watching videos on YouTube, doing some history, some videos on Nepalese history and things of that nature. And then I found this great documentary on all this kind of uncool stuff that's going on in Nepal, especially in the Mustang area, Mustang area of Nepal, where all these sacred Buddhist objects and antiques are being raided and stolen and being sold on the black market. And it was like a half hour documentary. It was great. It was really informative. And all that was going on in the Tamil area in Kathmandu, you know, they had some undercover cops going in. There was this guy posing as a buyer. Uh, A bunch of people got arrested, la la la. And basically, basically they're peddling antique Buddhist Uh, objects, sacred objects, you know, they're being stolen from stupas and monasteries and temples. And, you know, it's really a very bad thing. It's destroying a certain part of the Nepalese history. And come to find out that you can't sell antiques, uh, Buddhist antiques over 100 years old. And, you know, in, in a lot of cases, people have mentioned it's hard to get out of Nepal if you have certain hardware, certain holy objects, statues, things of that nature, and that everything I should buy, I should get a receipt. So at customs, I can prove that it's not an antique or it's not a hundred years old. Uh, anything, oh, sorry, I'm just testing the sound, anything along those lines. And, uh, I was I was actually slightly amazed at how much underground black market stuff is going on and, and how many temples have been destroyed. Uh and it was a really good documentary, and basically that's just background information because one one night I was hanging out in Tamil, I met this Moldavite guy that I knew, total, total side story. I posted something about Moldavite. This guy's a big Moldavite jewelry maker. He buys and sells a lot of Moldavite. He got a hold of me. We have a connection. We know the same people. It's all the Moldavite stuff. But I was hanging out. I was trying to find this Italian restaurant in Kathmandu. And I got approached by this guy who asked me if I needed help. He helped me find the place. Short little Nepalese dude. I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I had dinner with my friend and then when I'm leaving, this guy found me. Now I did a podcast about nighttime in Tamil and it's, you know what? It is gritty and it is desperate and there's a high overtone of drugs and people are trying to sell you stuff and, and, uh, you know, they're looking to take advantage of people. It just, you know, it's slightly gritty. That's all I can really say. This guy rolls up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, I don't know what his opening was. I can't remember what his opening was, but he, he wanted to sell me something. And he's like, oh, do you, do you have Tonka? Do you have Tonka? Are you Buddhist? Do you have Tonka? Which is a Buddhist cloth painting. And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do have a Tonka. And he's like, oh, well, I have green Tara. And I was like, no, I have green Tara. I have Yeshe Sogyal. I have Vajra Yogini, Sambhava, Manjushri. You know, I was like, I would be interested in Amitabha, Amitayus. And he's like, no, I have green Tara. And he's like, he's like, you should look at, look at my picture. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. I already have a nice one from my teacher. And he said, well, he made some statement. I couldn't understand him. How old is it? How old is it? And I was like, what? I was like, no, I already have a Tonka. He's like, how old is it? And it took me a second. He actually got a little upset. And he's like, no, how old is yours? And I said, it's not old at all. It's actually contemporary my teacher gave it to me it means a lot to me I'm not interested in another Tonka he's like oh I have one look at this picture I've really old one and it didn't quite hit me right away this guy was being it had a very uncool vibe and he's like oh I have antique I have antique Tonka (laughs) you know and I just watched this video maybe two days before and that's one of the things you know that that People get in a lot of trouble for. A lot of temples have been raided for those Tonkas. And, you know, they've sold them on the black market for tens of thousands of dollars. Now, I don't really think this guy is actually peddling antique Dharma wear, like stolen from temples, but maybe. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, I have absolutely no interest in in, in antique Tonka. And I said it with a little bit of tude, and depending on what he was going to say, I was going to lean into him and I should have mentioned that, Hey, it's illegal to actually do that. And he, he understood where I was coming from and he just ended. He's like, he just walked away and never had anything. I never saw him again. And I'm, I'm bringing that up because, you know, that is a big, like really uncool thing. Illegal stolen Buddhist hardware. I mean, you talk about some really gnarly stuff, and I'm Buddhist. I'm Buddhist. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. And this guy just seemed seedy. And that's why I don't really think he actually had antique, like stolen antique Buddhist sacred objects. I think he was just trying to rip me off, and he was driving pretty hard. So, yeah, that's not as bad as getting clocked in the head by a, a with a piece of concrete from Psycho Girl, but you know what? It just just felt ugly. It felt sticky. It was gritty. Can I say that word again? I've probably said it 50 times in this podcast, but yeah, it was pretty unsavory. Let me say that. Let me say that. All right. How about this? Let me let me get to uh, another gritty experience here. This I'm going to switch it up. This this has got the monkey temple overtone. And I think I've mentioned it. I mentioned it in my podcast when I was talking about Swabunath Stupa, more commonly known as the monkey temple, because there are monkeys everywhere. And it's interesting because I've never saw another monkey anywhere in Kathmandu other than the monkey temple. I mean, there must be some magnetizing quality there for them. And they're considered sacred animals. Nobody, you know, can really do anything negative to them. And most of the time, they're pretty fun. You know, they, they look cool. They're happy. They, they're almost human-like. They groom each other. They can be really cute. They like to slide down the rails, you know. It's a thing. But when they get upset, it is a sight to behold. And when they scream, It's terrifying absolutely terrifying. And then, you know, you got to be careful with your stuff because they will walk up to you and take your stuff. I mean, people have had phones taken, food, water bottles, wallets, you name it, they've taken it. And this one time I was walking on the backside of Swybunath. I wanted to do some exploring and, and, uh, You know, I just, uh, I looked behind me and I noticed that there was actually a very large monkey. This one was bigger than the other ones. Like he was the biggest one that I've seen. And he had like a band of monkeys behind him. You know, I don't, I don't know what you call a group of monkeys. Hold on. I need to look that up. I need to look that up. Okay. Apparently a group of monkeys is called a troop or oddly enough, a barrel, a barrel of monkeys, a troop of monkeys. I'm going to go with a troop because i'll tell you what man they, they they look like a troop of military monkeys when they were they were coming up behind me and it was funny cuz at first i thought they were all kind of moving away from me but i don't know some they, i get this vibe sometimes with animals mostly with dogs in the past but this this monkey was definitely in charge of the other monkeys and he had he had a look at me like i, I thought for sure he was going to I knew I was on his list. He started getting closer to me and all these monkeys shifted directions. And then all of a sudden, a band of them, not a band, a troop of them, a barrel of them started walking towards me. And it's funny because, you know, the guy in front of me, he kind of shooed these monkeys off and didn't really think about it, you know, but like... At first, I actually had to pick up speed because I started to get a little scared. I'm like "Hey man, these guys are getting a little close. And, then, and, you know, I kept looking back and then I looked back and this big monkey was there close, like looking at me like, yeah, I'm going to get you. And he showed me his fangs. Like He opened up his mouth and I saw his fangs and I was like, you know, I don't really want to get bit or grabbed or attacked or even scratched by a, like a monkey, a macaque or whatever they're called over there. Because these guys are, well, they can be incredibly strong, even though they're kind of small but I don't really want to do Kung Fu with a monkey. Right. I, I just, I, I don't, but these guys were like coming at me and then they, they actually, the big one and three of them like skirmied really quick and like charged me. Oh man. And I was like, WTF. I said that out loud and I started running. I almost ran the guy over in front of me and these monkeys were like, coming at me, they saw some fear. And I, I was like, Hey, man, I'm, I was talking to the guy in front of me, I was like, yo, bro, I am sorry, I almost ran you over. He's like, Yeah, don't worry about it. But these monkeys were aggressive. I don't know if they were like coming for I don't know my food or backpack, I can't quite figure it out. I didn't have anything in my hand or anything like that. And I actually like they wouldn't leave me alone, I had to pick up speed. And it it took a while for them to kind of veer off. And finally, I saw them like, go over the over the edge and down the side of the hill, because we're, we're on the top of this little like mountainous peak in the middle of Kathmandu. I'll tell you, man, I was scared. I was scared. That moment was terrifying and, well, slightly gritty thinking about it. You know, you know, I had that experience with the woman in the rock, psycho woman with rock want to hit me in the head, like that scene in uh, Parasite, the movie. But this other situation was just so bizarre. I mean, just... Yeah, I thought for, there was a moment where I was like, I am going to have to, like, deeply kick this monkey if he attacks me. But the thing is, is like, I had this vision for a moment that I might be able to take one out, but I don't think I can take 14 of them out. You know, if they all jump me. I mean, the whole situation was just very uncool. Now, if you're in Nepal, you're in Kathmandu, definitely go to I, I I went back every day, many days in a row, because swibonath and me have a very deep connection i i'm a fan of the monkey temple the whole complex but those monkeys man they they can get a little funky they can get a little funky now this other time i was circumambulating the entire complex it's kind of big so i was you know like going around the first turn i don't see a lot of people there I'm walking around and I noticed there's like benches there. There's a walkway around the entire complex. It's probably, I don't know, it's probably a mile and a half around. And I went and I went around it. You know, I'm doing a practice around the whole thing. And this, this, this is on a separate day. I'm going around this curve and, you know, it's just beautiful. I see monkeys. There's some people, but not very many. And there's, you know, every five, six, 800 feet, there's benches along this walkway where people are hanging out, talking making out, selling stuff, lo and behold, there's like three homeless people sleeping there. And I was like, oh, this this is going to make a really good picture. And I was actually looking for it today because I wanted it to be uh, the featured image for this podcast, right? But I couldn't find it. And I was wondering why I couldn't find it. And then I realized, oh yeah, that's right. I almost got attacked by monkeys again. And uh, so I never actually took the picture. At least I don't think I did, but I just remember trying to figure out, like, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good picture, right? And then I pulled my phone out (laughs) and I'm like, you know, kind of looking at the situation, kind of weighing it out. And I got my phone in my hand and I'm I'm trying to set up the perfect shot for this image. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, oh, you know what? I should be careful because this is how phones get taken. And I, I looked over my shoulder and wouldn't you know it, there is a monkey like coming close to me and he's got he's got a look on him like, oh, yeah, if you're not paying attention, I'm going to take your <laughs> I'm going to take your camera. And it's funny because he was kind of sneaky about it. You know, this is what I mean. They're very human like. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because I looked back and he saw me looking at him and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is OK. There you go. So I, I pulled my phone in and then I looked because he was up on the fence line on the back side of the path against the, the, the hillside. So he was up, you know, he was in the perfect position to take my stuff, at least my camera. And, uh, and I kind of looked at him. I was like, nah, I don't think so, brah. And then I, yeah, I got my camera together and then I started walking and I looked behind me and then there was another monkey kind of coming at me at a, with a pretty good clip. Like, I mean, He had some pretty good pace on him. He was moving pretty fast. And I was like, oh no, here we go again. I had that, I I recall that other experience with that, that other troop of monkeys, right? But this is solo monkey and he's picking up speed. (laughs) And for a moment I thought, what is it with me and monkeys, right? Like I'm just having, I'm, I'm having a funky experience, with the funky monkey in my mind, like what is actually going on here? So I start picking up speed, trying to, I I need to get away from this monkey. And then I, I remember that other monkey and I looked up and that other monkey is moving across the fence line, like his wingman, like these guys are working together to take me out. And I looked at this monkey and he looked at me and I, I swear, I promise he had this look In his eye, like, yeah, I'm looking at you and I'm going to get you. And I thought, no, I can't believe, (laughs) I can't believe this is actually happening. I had to pick up some, some major speed. I used to pick up this kind of speed when I was a kid getting away from dogs. Like I picked up major speed. I wasn't running, but I was moving. I was walking very quickly. And I thought, okay, if nothing changes, I'm going to take off. And it took a while for these two monkeys to leave me alone. I had two two bad monkey days at, at Swibonath. Not not really bad. Just these two experiences because they vibed on me, man. They wanted something from me. I, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. But I wanted to share that with you because that's gritty experience number four in Nepal. You know, I mean, whoa. Well, I had that weird homeless thing, homeless guy, and then I had the funky monkey experience. <laughs> Then, you know, there was Psycho Chick, right, with the rock and then a homeboy trying to sell me potentially illegal Buddhist sacred Dharma gear, you know? Yeah, I got to quote that girl again. Sarah is her American name. When she asked me what I thought of Kathmandu and I said, oh, yeah, this definitely got a little grit on it. And this was her quote. There is definitely no shortage of grit in Kathmandu, Nepal. Well, there it is, my friends. I thought I'd just put all four of those together. And other than that, I really didn't have, you know, any anything other. Well, maybe some of the driving, right? some of the taxi drivers. And just driving in Kathmandu can be a little uh, unnerving, right? But it's definitely not necessarily gritty. Overall, I had... An exceptionally grand time in Nepal, and I want to go back. There's more I want to see, more I want to do, uh, and more I'd certainly like to check out. Yeah, there's no, there is no doubt about it in my mind. I loved the food, I loved the people, I loved the experience. In in general, I felt very safe. I'll tell you you know, when I was in Indonesia, especially when I was in Yogyakarta on the island of uh, Java, on my way to uh, Borobudur, I had a night where, yeah, there was some, I, I actually felt in fear about getting mugged and that kind of stuff. So and I've never really felt like that in Nepal. I mean, really happy people, really beautiful people, great time great culture, great food, and if you're Buddhist, it's an absolute bonus. 100%. I am definitely definitely going back. Uh, but not right away. We we're, we're sitting in coronavirusville right now and um yeah, I got more podcasts coming up. I got a couple more with Kathmandu, do, uh, a couple more experiences. Then I'm I'm actually going to I'm going to podcast a little bit about just traveling, international traveling. You know, I left on the 29th of February. And then when I came back, it was the brave new world, you know, like THX 1138, everybody's in quarantine and everything's shutting down. And, you know, people were freaking out that I wasn't necessarily self-quarantining on a very deep level and worried about because I was in Asia and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, I I left on February 29th. I came back on the 14th. If I would have been in Nepal for a couple more days, I don't know if I would have came back. So I think that's worthy of a podcast, my friends, definitely worthy of a podcast. And uh, so stay tuned. Thanks so much. Uh, Be well, be kind, and stay safe, my friends. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets.